0: Well, good morning, man. Was that a good time or or what? Uh, absolutely. Mm. Mm. And it is a delight to have Marsh here. And as Sean mentioned, we'll be celebrating their family. Uh, Lori and the girls were here for the hurricane, and then uh, that altered the travel schedule. They'll be they're uh, packing up. They'll be back later in the month. Well, if you're new to uh, Northland and our journey. Here's what we're about, engaging people to be fully alive in Jesus. That's what we believe God has called us to do for this season, and that vision is something that invades everything that we are about. And we're beginning this new ministry year, and we got a lot of to-do lists in terms of energizing and galvanizing and mobilizing who we are as His people. And as we're starting this year, we're taking some time to calibrate. The reason we're calling the series Calibrate is because so often we tend to shoot and then aim. But instead, we want to, and if you were here a few weeks ago, you saw that big harpoon, I might pull it out again before the series is over, but to aim that well, you don't do it from exhaustion and being harried, you aim it from being still. And so ancient ships would calibrate their compass, meaning get it realigned to true north, by going into a still harbor, and so that's what we're doing, we're being led by a passage in Luke's Gospel. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can look on the screens. If you don't own a Bible, by the way, pick one up as our gift out in the foyer afterwards at our welcome desk. In Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38, we see an instance in Jesus' life that Luke the physician carefully recorded. Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus were good friends of Jesus'. This might have been when they first were starting their their friendship. But Jesus was coming for a dinner party, evidently, at at Martha's home, and she was— frenzied and frantic, getting ready, doing some good stuff, but she got a little out of kilter in terms of understanding what was most important. So Jesus firmly but gently corrects her. Here's how it went. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. But Martha was what? I love you. What? Distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She thought for sure Jesus would chime in because He wanted to get dinner and surely He'd understand that Mary, Mary needed to help Martha. And Jesus shocked her, gently, but again firmly. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are what? Worried and upset about many things. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Distracted, worried, upset after this week? He says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's not that what Martha was doing was bad, it was just out of order. Our our activities should flow from being calibrated in quiet. And so we've been looking at disciplines involved in calibrating our journeys. First is the discipline of stillness. Next comes a discipline of submission. So Mary was still, but she was also at Jesus' feet. That wasn't just an indication that there was not enough furniture in the house. Being at his feet meant as a disciple, as as a Talmid, as they would refer to themselves, the Talmudim, the disciples of Jesus, she was kneeling at his feet to be submitted. And when I'm submitted comes that third discipline of stewardship that's rooted in a sense of surrender, surrendering to the reality that what I have, my time, my abilities, my finances, they're ultimately his, not mine. Today we come to the fourth discipline, and it's a whopper, it's a discipline of silence. She was listening at his feet. What does it take for somebody to listen? It takes this becoming this. You see these chairs set up here? Uh, What children's game does this remind you of? Musical chairs. This brought up uh, very uncomfortable memories to a lot of our worship team yesterday when we brought these up because all these traumatic experiences and a happy birthday party. And I I said, what? I used to love musical chairs, and they said, yeah, that's because you're big. (laughs) Us little people would get shoved off. If you know the deal, you've got a a number of chairs that is one less than the number of people, and you go around, the music starts playing, and everybody kind of goes around, and then uh, you're keeping your eye on, okay, where is my chair? Am I going to have one? Am I going to have one? And you start… And then you just plop down and look without mercy at that person (laughs) that's on the floor. What if instead of going around all stressed, waiting for the music to stop, hoping that there would be a chair, what if musical chairs were played a little differently? where you're going around, and yes, you got the same frenzy, you got the same, you're moving around, moving around, moving around, and then all of a sudden, you know, you make a decision. And you sit down, and what was the difference? Somebody said last night, you cheated. Um, (laughs) The difference is... What if it were played where when you sit down, that's when the music stops? You take the control, you take the initiative, instead of being at the mercy of everything stopping, you saying, I'm going to choose to be still and to be silent and to be quiet. That's what Jesus was teaching Martha by Mary's example. He said, Mary has made a choice, and the choice was what we experience in our everyday lives. We've got the noises, we've got the to-do lists, we've got all this stuff that's pressing, and the frenzy rises, and we start kind of getting a little bit frantic, and Jesus is saying." It's time to make a choice in the midst of that, instead of waiting and saying, hey, there's never anything quiet. You choose to be quiet. Choose to be silent. And listen to me. Silence is a difficult thing for us. Starts with that. Small little metal object you've got in your pocket or your purse that vibrates and rings and whistles, and 96% of Americans have one, and it's always there. Sitting on the table at the restaurant, signaling to your friends that they are important, sure, but there might be someone more important. You're just going to wait and see if you get a text. Distracted, worried, upset, preoccupied, what would happen if we chose silence to be introduced into our week, into our day? Calibrating is something we can do for five minutes or 50 minutes. We can do it one time a day, 15 times a day. But it will involve stillness and submission and steward, surrendered stewardship, but it will also always involve silence. It's tough. Jean Harp was a French poet and sculptor born in 1888. You'd think he was born in our generation because of what he wrote. He said, Soon, Silence will have passed into legend. Man has turned his back on silence. Day after day, he invents machines and devices that increase noise and distract humanity from the essence of life, from contemplation, from meditation. Howling, screeching, booming, crashing, whistling, grinding, and trilling bolster his ego. We talked about this a few weeks ago, when we say, boy, I've been really busy. We say it as a badge of honor, but it's not necessarily a badge of honor. We think that bolsters our our sense of importance. Similarly, when we've got all this activity going on, it kind of helps us to feel important, yet there is a time for this. And if we miss this, we miss the beauty of calibrating our hearts to true north. We miss the intimacy of being at Jesus' feet, and as a result, we miss out on what it looks like to be fully alive. Because that fully alive is centered in a relationship, John 17, 3, eternal life is knowing Him, and it takes silence. Any relationship involves talking, and we've been talking about talking, even submission. A primary exhibition of submission is prayer. I'm wanting to submit my needs before you, yes, so that's part of it. Then the other is to be quiet. In any relationship, both have to talk and both have to listen. It's no different in our walk with, with Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7, there's a time to tear and a time to mend. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, but the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be what? Okay, let's not start with all the earth, just with, let all the auditorium, let's all say it together, be silent before Him. It's not a passive silent, it's an, it's an eager, anticipatory silence. Psalm 62, verse 1, for God alone my soul waits in anticipation, waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. You go down to verse 5, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. Read one author who said, silence is not native to my world. and It's more likely than not that it's not native to your world either. We actually have to grow silence, and that growing of silence takes a choice. To not wait and feel like we're at the mercy of our schedules. There are moments in every day when we can choose to be silent. So what's it look like? What do you teach your kids? when they're about to learn to cross the street, what are their three words you want your child to know before they cross the street? What are they supposed to do? Stop, look, and listen. Silence involves all three of those. Let's look at them one at a time. First, it's stopping for the quieting of my soul. How quiet is your soul? How quiet is mine? When I'm doing this, my soul's usually not quiet. I have to settle it down and choose. Psalm 131, we looked at it a few weeks ago. But I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Weaned, no longer needing to nurse, but still wanting to be with his or her mom. And it's, it's settling. It's just not always, hey, I've got to get something. It's just, I want to quiet my soul and be stabilized and be centered. So we talked about that in the stillness. So that's the stop. And we're stopping for the quieting of our soul. But then there's a second part of silence, and it's looking. I need to look at the yearnings of my soul. Silence, a lot of people think silence is where you turn down the volume. Yeah, the the volume of a lot of unnecessary things is turned down, but the volume of some important stuff is turned up. There are things I am not going to hear in my journey or pay attention to until I'm silent. And so often we avoid those moments. This past week, every one of us had some imposed silence in one way, shape, or form because of the hurricane and all the news of it and uh, it it taking so long to get here and things were canceled. Did I use that time? Did you? I did, and partially just because the accountability is I'm preaching through this stuff, so I've got to practice it a little bit. And it's in that quiet... That you face up to things that can be encouraging, and also disturbing, and things that are clarifying. Which is why a lot of us avoid silence, because you start, all the superficial volume goes down, and the important stuff, that volume goes up. And sometimes it's haunting because we're unsettled, and we don't know which direction to go. Musicians talk about this. Lannis Morissette, years ago, in a song said, why are you so petrified of silence? One of the reasons that we are is because the big questions surface then. Questions that we, we don't know the answers to. Yearnings that, that we're not sure that we can place or categorize. 21 Pilots is a band. Some guys are followers of Jesus. Wrote a, a brilliant song called Car Radio. Only 230, other, 230 million other people have seen the YouTube video, by the way. But here's some of the lyrics to Car Radio. It says... Somebody stole my car radio, and now I just sit in silence. Sometimes quiet is violent, and I find it hard to hide it. My pride is no longer inside, it's on my sleeve. We we see things about ourselves we might not be that comfortable with. I'm forced to deal with what I feel, and there's no distraction to mask what is real i got to grapple with what's real. I can't just keep going through the motions and the fabrications of, of reality. I have to deal with what, what really is. He says, I find over the course of our human existence, one thing consists of consistence, and it's that we're all battling fear. Oh dear, I don't know if we know why we're here. That's a question that comes up in silence, and it's haunting. Oh my, too deep. Please stop thinking. I liked it better when my car had sound. Have you ever noticed? It's everywhere. It's in elevators. We're never silent. It's in, you go shopping in some of these outdoor shopping areas, the rocks have music in them. Because we're uncomfortable with the silence. He says it's faith and their sleep. Okay, got one or the other. We need to pick one, please, because faith is to be awake. And to be awake is for us to think. And for us to think is to be alive. Because somebody stole my car radio, and now I just sit in silence. And now I just sit in silence. This What happens here is what I call procrastination of the soul. We put off the big questions. We stay distracted when we choose to be still. We have to pay attention to our heart beating and our yearnings. What is it that you want from Jesus? want from life. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Do I know what the desires of my heart are? Do you? I don't discover the desires of my heart in in the rat race. I discover when I quiet and still and silence myself. And I listen. You know, those longings we've looked at several times as we unpack our, our, our vision, where every human being has these longings. And what Jesus was doing with the woman at the well is he was saying, you're thirsty, and what you're thirsty for are some of these things, and you're only going to get them from me. We tend to want to think, you know what, my significance can come from this, this, and this if I can only get the right job, and if I only get the right popularity, and, and, and we have all of these things that we are, think will achieve that, and it's the silence that reminds us that we still, no matter how successful our career, we still don't have the significance we're yearning for, and that yearning is then directed to either I'm insignificant on this planet, which is why a lot of people hate the silence, or I start grappling with going deeper because I'm silent at the feet of Jesus. And He brings me along, and then I start falling in love with Him more deeply and grappling the beauty of my purpose more. And the significance of the Gospel. You've heard me say it before, superficial engagement with my longings leads to a superficial engagement with the gospel. Jesus is not just a little mascot. He's come to restore what I was intended for as a human being, and at the root of that Is intimacy with Him, and it's in the silence that all of these things are revealed to be tributaries of one large reservoir, and that's my hunger and my thirst and my longing for God. I mean, listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm 84, verse 2, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You're saying, boy, he's quite a religious person. I don't think that's what the psalmist is saying at all. This is the longing of every human being. This might be the first time you've been in church in decades. This is our longing as human beings. The question is not whether we have those longings. We have all of those. They all come from our longing from God. That that thing that Pascal referred to as the God-shaped vacuum within every one of us. The question is, will we acknowledge our longing for Him? And it's in these moments that that happens. Isaiah 26, 8, yes, Lord, walking in the way of Your laws, we wait for You. Your name and Your renown are the desire of our hearts. My soul yearns for You in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs, what, for You. Here, my spirit's longing to get my to-do list done and to get that bank account balanced and to get that vacation and that job title and that degree. Over here, I'm reminded, you know what? All those things, a lot of them might be good stuff, but ultimately, my longing is for you. Psalm 63:1. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so I... Th- If I exhibit the courage to stop for the quieting of my soul and to look at the yearnings of my soul, that silence, that discipline of silence is completed only only with this. Because those are just the start. It's completed with listening for the restoring of my soul. All right, this is going to be really deep. You guys ready for something deep? I can only listen when I'm silent. You're supposed to say, ooh. Luke, this physician, is being very detailed in his description of what happened. It was happening in the room. And Mary was submitted to Jesus at his feet, but she was doing something there. What was she doing in verse 39, Luke chapter 10? She was listening to what he said. When's the last time I listened to Him? So here's something very, very important. I need you to listen. You ready? This whole notion of being silent, it's not unique to Christianity, it's not unique to following Jesus. Meditation, contemplation is stuff that we're we're not familiar with. In fact, real doers find this difficult, and sometimes we'll even hide behind, yeah, we're not supposed to do any of that, because that's what those Eastern religions do, and uh, that's not us. Very true. Here's the difference. Meditation in an Eastern uh, mystical context is silence to empty the mind and the soul, to arrive at nothingness. That's not what we're talking about here. This is so important. Just because that is out there doesn't mean I should avoid silence. No, my silence is a disciplined silence and it's not trying to to be silent in order to empty my mind but to fill it, to receive. And I receive by listening. What am I listening to? I'm listening to the Word. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mary was kneeling at the feet of the logos of the universe, the Word of the universe. One of the greatest blessings in your journey and mine is three words, God has spoken. You and I, if we had silence without anyone speaking into it, this would be terrifying, which is why most people avoid it. because they're. they're They haven't heard the good news that God has spoken and He's speaking still. John chapter 1 verse 14, that Word, just a little bit later after John 1.1, John 1.14, the Word became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. And we've seen His glory, His glory, the glory of the one and only. The one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. When was the last time I was silent long enough to listen to Him? Yes, I got to speak, share my needs, share my heart, pour it out to Him, but then there comes a point where I need. Somebody said in the four-year, they remembered when they were kids, their their uncle would tell the kids when all the family was together, every now and then he would say, Okay, kids, it's time to go have some shut-up time. We need to have some shut-up time. And listen. Ecclesiastes chapter five gives an exhortation. He says Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth and do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God." So bottom line, we're talking about the Word, listening. So my silence needs to be filled with the Word. The written Word, not studying for religious reasons, but studying it to have God speak to me. God has spoken. The the living Word, which is Jesus and intimacy with Him, the revelatory Word of Him speaking through creation, through conscience, through my community, taking time to listen. Don't you miss His voice? You know, it's past Thursday i an experience, I've never had in my entire life, it was my mother's birthday. And many of you know she went home to be with Jesus in January, godly woman. But I've, I wanted to, I woke up, I wanted to call her, and I loved calling my mom, not only because of what I could say to her, but I loved listening to her. I loved her voice. Not only was it this sweet southern bell voice, there was great wisdom, great encouragement. Same was true for my, my dad. And their voices I could always identify in crowds. And I missed it. I was going back to what Marsh was talking about earlier, Abba. This, sooner or later, you come to the point where you're missing your Abba's voice. And he says, I'm here. Let's talk. And it's something that's not passive, but active. There's a waiting. Psalm 27. Talks about waiting on Him. Listen. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Wait for Him. Right here. Wait for Him. I don't know if you've ever driven west from Washington, D.C., but if you head west toward the Allegheny Mountains, you'll come to a 13,000 square foot or square mile area, parts of Virginia and West Virginia and a little bit of Maryland, and it's called the Radio Quiet Zone. You guys ever, ever been there, ever heard of it? No cell phone coverage. Now you can have a cell phone, but it's only going to operate with Wi-Fi. There are no radio signals. It's a cell phone free zone, and it's because of a radio telescope, really sensitive one, so they have the silence there. So people that grow up there, they are never talking on cell phones because there's no cell signals. You can only be online in a Wi-Fi context. And the reason they do that is to guard this delicate telescope. What I am called to do, and when you're about to, we're about to commission you out of here, and I'll commission you to go and make sure you have a rhythm in your life to stop, to look, to listen, to step out of this for a while and, and sit at His feet and have some silence not to protect a powerful telescope, but to fuel your heart. He's got stuff to say to you. Will I listen? Will you? So we're going to give you four minutes. We've packed in a lot in this service. We're going to ask you to hang in there for four more minutes. Don't check the cell phone. Just be quiet. Marsha's going to sing over you. You can pay attention to these words. You might want to get your word out, your Bible. Go to the Psalms. Go to the Gospel of John. I don't know. or, Or just listen but you're listening for him. You're being silent for him. You're waiting patiently as the psalmist says, earnestly. Let me pray for you. Jesus, these next four minutes could be incredibly significant if we would only listen to what your spirit is wanting to say to us. So word of God, speak. Speak to us as individuals, speak into us as a community. We trust you with our silence and with our hearts.